now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Uh-oh, and a foul. Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. to have you with us here a very happy wednesday to you middle of the work week hump day it is and a big day here in las vegas it is the wnba all-star game uh, a very special day it's a big deal and we'll uh, dive into that for all those reasons why so we are going to be coming to you live from the michelob ultra arena at the mandalay bay i'm going to be with you here for the first hour and then uh, scoot on over there real quick And uh, we'll be doing a lot of WNBA All-Star interviews. Going to bring you a lot of the ambience of the 25th anniversary of the WNBA and its All-Star game, Team USA. So a lot to cover. We've got a great guest lineup for you today. Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces, who are part of Team USA Liz Cambage, also an All-Star, be participating in the WNBA All-Star game today, also playing for Team Australia. And, of course, Sue Bird, the legendary, probably the, you could say, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, probably the most famous women's basketball players, probably for longevity and accomplishments, All-Star appearances, championships of all time. So Sue Bird will join us. So next hour... Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Mark Davis, Liz Cambage, and Sue Bird. Uh, We'll be talking to all of them, so uh, hang tight for that. So next hour, basically, we'll be giving you a WNBA All-Star Game slash Team USA Women's um, Hour, so to speak, as we get ready for the WNBA All-Star Game, which will be broadcast on TV on ESPN at 4 o'clock. So... Uh, we got the first hour here, uh, second hour over there, and we got a lot to talk about today. We got W, we got uh, NBA Finals game number four. We'll touch on that this hour. Chris Bosio will join us as we recap uh, last night's Major League Baseball All Star game, but more importantly, uh, a look ahead to the second half of the season. So a lot on the docket here today. Yours truly, Ballpark Frank. Yeah, a lot on the docket today, and like you mentioned, uh, it's also going to be interesting to see uh, during the game. Uh, with the all-star uh, set up the way that it is, you're going to have aces playing against aces. Yes, this is true. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so that's always kind of fun yeah. a little bit, too, when you get that, you know, the rivalries going, and it's like, you know, is you know is, is Asia going to try to put a move on and go around uh, Liz at some point? Is Liz going to try to body her up and, you know, kind of block it and start something uh, down low and start to break the other way or something? You know, Subert all of a sudden is going to be a teammate of uh, the team that they go against and that. So right. it's, it's always kind of fun when you get that kind of stuff because sometimes you get that and you wonder if there's a little bit of animosity, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's also like whenever you get to play with a Sue Bird, you know, that's like legendary stuff or something like that. So they really thrive in that environment and going, boy, I really hated it when she was hitting those threes against us last year in the finals. But, yeah. boy, would it be fun to play with the, play with this lady on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and we had talked about that before when we were talking about the assembling of 
the Olympic team and the all and the uh, national team roster how excited that these women are and just like the guys are as well too you know playing with these guys like you said that you're competing against and year after year and you're having these battles and now your teammates and uh, you know we'll definitely touch upon all of that uh, with our guests uh, next hour with that and it's funny you bring that up about you know Asia against Liz and that sort of thing and we saw this the last time we had the All Star game two years ago obviously we didn't have it last year but. It was like Team Deladon against Team Wilson, if you remember. And they went for the first time, you know, choosing teams and all that sort of thing. And and you had that. And it's funny because Asia didn't want to choose Liz. <laughs> I remember that, you know, on, on our team. So Liz was on the other team, and they were going against each other. And Liz had said, I'm going to be shooting threes. And, and sure enough, the, the first shot of the game was Liz Cambage won the tip, got tipped off. They they gave it back to her. She launched a three, yeah, immediately, and yeah, she not? hit it. It's, awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an exhibition, right? You know? Now, here's why this thing is a big deal here today. They are celebrating the 25th anniversary, like they've been doing all season long. This is really about the growth of this league because it really has come a long way. I remember the inception of this league when you go back to 1996, 97, that sort of thing. You know, I was in Sacramento. Sacramento had a team because back in those days, you know, you had the the NBA ownership also owned the WNBA. So at that point in time, the Maloofs had owned the Sacramento Kings and also owned the Sacramento Monarchs as well, too. And... You know, the, the L.A. contingent was the exact same thing. You had the same colors. You had everything. And then things kind of branched off a little bit as the years went on. But the WNBA is really at its zenith right now. It's at its peak. They have the national uh, television contract with ESPN, ABC. Their ratings have been the highest. The game definitely has improved over the years. We used to joke and say, hey, yeah, uh, this is like the layup league because it was either a layup or, you know, there was no mid-range. There was, wasn't a whole bunch of... Uh, of three-pointers, long jump shots. But the way this league has evolved has been tremendous. And, um, of course, people will say, well, you're biased because you know, you're know you involved with it, with the aces and that sort of thing. But it, it, it's true. It, 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 is a, it is a very good product that's on the court to watch. And, you know, when we start talking about Olympic teams and national teams, you know, we're talking about how the men have been struggling. Yes, they got a victory yesterday against Argentina, but there's not going to be any doubt about the women because the women are putting their best players on the floor and always have, and they will roll through everybody in Tokyo. So it's a big deal for the WNBA to celebrate 25 years, where they've been, where they are now, and uh, there's a lot of uh, ceremonial stuff that will be going on with this today. Uh, and they'll be honoring the 1996 Olympic team. And you're old enough to r- remember most of these players. But when you think about the, the 1996 Olympic team for the women's side, Jennifer Azey, Ruthie Bolton, who is, is a good friend of mine. She played with the, the Monarchs. So I'm glad they're honoring her today. Venus Lacey, Lisa Leslie, Rebecca Lobo, Carla McGee, Don Stately, who is Asia Wilson's coach at South Carolina, and she's the head coach of Team USA. Uh Katie Steading, Cheryl Swoops, and Neil Fortner. 
that was your team and they're honoring them. Uh, that's basically a, a who's who Hall of Fame when you're talking about women's basketball. Well, yeah, and you mentioned it's the 25-year anniversary and this and that, but a lot of people might not realize that, you know, that haven't followed women's basketball and that, that, you know, this is far from the first inception of a women's professional league. There were two or three leagues before. I remember back when Nancy Lieberman was one of the big stars and, you know, and there were different leagues and they had moderate success here and there. I remember the Chicago Hustle when, uh, you know, when the league was kind of going under and they started selling stock to some people and trying to keep the league afloat because my brother John bought it. He had to buy a thousand dollars worth of stock and he invested in it because he loved the product so much and that and then it actually came out on the courts that they had to give the people the money back or whatever because of different legalities but they have tried this several times before but now with the growth of women's sports in the Olympics and on a national basis and in track and field and everything and we're always talking about how the men, how the world has caught up to the men in basketball and that's why the USA can lose to a Nigeria or potentially a lot of other teams out there right now if they're not ready to go and they don't have their top players. The women isn't the same, but it is the same as as far as there are superstars from other countries. Maybe not enough to make a whole team that can beat a USA women's dream team type of, type of thing, but people like Liz Cambage and other players out there that come from different places where basketball is growing, and she kind of becomes a, a, a poster and something that the little girls down there look up to, and they aspire to be and maybe come to the WNBA or something someday. So while it may not have the same growth as far as enough to put a whole team together to threaten the USA at this point, there certainly are good quality women's basketball players coming from different points all over the world and it's really just a matter of time before one country gets enough one country gets enough of them that they start competing with the USA and all of a sudden it's not just an automatic gold medal just by yeah. showing up so and, to speak. and every team that will be in the Tokyo Olympics on the women's side they're going to have multiple WNBA players on their rosters just like we see on the men's side as well too but like you said Australia will have a Liz Cambage and Australia will probably be the the closest that could come to the USA because they have several people. I mean, you can make the starting five of Australia. They're all very, very good players and they're all WNBA players and a couple, you know, are all stars as well too. But yeah, then, you know, there will be those blowouts that we were accustomed to seeing with the men when we had our dream team going back, you know, 20 years ago and even, you know, but and, and how old yeah. was that back in those days when you saw when the USA would blow a team out and then the other team would come up and they want autographs and pictures? Yes. I mean, yes. If, if, if it was cell phones yes. today, like there were back then, like there are yes. today, there'd be selfies with every team that the USA blew out with every player out there with, with MJ yeah. and, and yeah. just all the guys out there because, I mean, they were thrilled to be on the court getting blown out by the Dream Team. Right. It's true. It, it is very true. And I think you'll, you'll see that probably with the women at, at the Olympic Games, too. And you know, Asia Wilson, we'll talk with her uh, about this you know, next hour. Um, is getting ready for the game today is she started this jersey swap where she you know, she goes hey the guys do it all the time so she started it and we we see Asia after games you know in her sports bra uh, with basically one of the stars of the other team and she said she would she wants to carry this over to the Olympic Games as well too so again it's it's, it's all about marketing and all about you know bringing awareness but yeah this this is a big deal uh, today because it's 25th anniversary. It is a different format, which is going to be very unique as well, too. And again, it's people have come from all over the world to see this part of it's part of Las Vegas and the WNBA, as we know now, this is the second year that they've had. Uh, I want to say second year in a row, but again, last year was a throwout. They didn't have you know all star game or none of that stuff last year, and obviously the women weren't even here. They were in the bubble in Florida, so 
this is they want to have the All Star Game here on a regular basis because it is so much better than having it in a random arena in Chicago or Seattle and that sort of thing. And they they loved the results two years ago. I think they're loving the results right now. And to team it up with USA Basketball, the men and the women are here. The NBA Summer League is getting ready to start here in a couple weeks as well. So, I mean, you're seeing all the, the NBA guys, the celebrities, they're, they're here. So this is a big deal today at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And it is also because the national team is going to be on display. And this will be the first time that people really have been able to see the women's national team in action. And because of that, so again, the format is the WNBA All-Stars, and you've got Derricka Hamby from the Aces, and you've got Liz Cambage, you know, representing the Las Vegas Aces. And, you know, Liz is her fourth time she's been an All-Star. She, she's got this down. She loves the international competition, you know, playing for Team Australia. But for Derricka Hamby, very happy for her, the reigning back-to-back sixth woman of the year, because this is the first time they've actually taken a person, a bench player, and putting them on the All-Star team, and deservedly so. So she's very excited about this. They have... You know, the orange carpet, as they call it, you know, the red carpet for the Academy Awards and all that stuff. Well, they have the orange carpet. Her and her daughter, who's a big story, one of the very few mothers who are successful as a player here in the WNBA. Um, her and Maya are, are on the orange carpet today. Um, and this is not going to be a circus. This is going to be, I'd say, a relatively competitive game because if you're Don Stately and you're Team USA, you have to get prepared for the Olympic Games. You, you've... They're leaving on Monday. I mean, think about that. So you're going to try to pack in two or three exhibition games, and then you're on a plane Monday to go to Tokyo. So I look for Team USA to take this serious. It's not going to be the shenanigans that we've seen in an NBA All-Star game. And as far as the WNBA All-Stars... You mean All-Stars, they're going to play D? I think you're going to play D. <laughs> and you got to remember, so if you're Don Staley and Team USA, you got to run your stuff. You know, you've got to run your offense. You've got to get, work on your out-of-bounds plays. You've got to get everybody playing time. And then just, yeah, okay, Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi are out. But here comes Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. And here comes Asia Wilson probably off the bench. And she's the reigning MVP. I don't know what the starting five is going to be. But you get the point. It's just that you're going to probably have some good competition. It's going to be interesting. And to see how the All-Stars take it. And then... To kind of throw this all back to the 25th anniversary, so Lisa Leslie and Tina Thompson are the co-coaches of the WNBA All-Stars. And to see these players like looking up to Lisa Leslie, who was at the game on Sunday as well, too, is like, wow. I mean, talk about players wanting to get selfies. It's going to be a cool experience today because of all of these factors that you probably have a legitimate game as well, too. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. I, I guess if there's one downside to it, and I'm not playing, to, trying to play the downer here, it would be nice if they could have more fans in the stands. Yeah, absolutely. And you could say that for for everything. Everything's pretty much been limited for the men here in town as well, too. So, yeah, and the WNBA is, I got to say it, man, they, they, are, they are very tight with all of their protocols, more so than I think any other sport at this point in time and right now. And what's going on? Japan right now you can't blame them because because right. although it seems like everything's opening up over here there's a lot of people that don't even want to go to Japan there's people that think that they should cancel the Olympics like they did last year which if they do they're basically just saying they're done because you can't do them next year so you know 
Although some people would love to see more people there, and like I say, I would like to see it. That's why I just said that. But you can't blame them whatsoever for whatever protocols they put in place right now because the bottom line is you want to go and you want to win the gold, but to win the gold, the games must go on and they must be complete. They must be finished. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, it's not just uh, the women. It's the, the men are going through these uh, same protocols, too. Uh, you know, the Aria is like the team hotel for everybody. And uh, when I was over there yesterday, they had a dedicated room for testing. And there were just people coming in and out because the players and anybody who's involved here, they have to continually get tested here. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how you're right. I mean, you're going. It's one thing. If the world, say, was coming here, whatever, it's still going to be that heightened security. But when you're going, you know, overseas and you're going to a country, like you mentioned, that, man, I mean, they, their government and their, the Olympic Committee and, and their national committee, they're not all on the same page. No, didn't their prime minister just call for yeah. a state of emergency yes. over there? Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. uh, there's as many as 80% of the people over there want the games canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So next week... Uh, you know, our, our players and our athletes will be going and not just, you know, basketball. We're talking about basketball right now. But, you know, again, we have plenty of other athletes, track and field athletes and swimmers and many people from Las Vegas that are, you know, represented. Uh, you know, Vashti Cunningham, Randall Cunningham's daughter, you know, congratulations to her. Uh, she's getting ready to go to Tokyo as well, too, to participate in the high, de- high jump. It'll be her second Olympic Games. So wish her the best uh, as well, too. And uh, she's had a pretty successful college career over at Oregon as well, too. And, you know, Randall very involved with with coaching her. Which is interesting, too, because it just shows, you know, that Randall Cunningham is more than just a, you know, a jock or an athlete or something. Because he helped his daughter become one of the best in the world. I know at one point she held the world indoor championship for high jump. So, but I mean... He never high jumped. He wasn't a high jumper, but he taught himself and learned enough that he coached her and made her that good. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive in that kind of stuff. You know, first off, that he would take that kind of time and care and everything, and okay, this is what you want to do, let's do it. But that he remained her coach for a long, long time for for the majority of it when she was first starting out on that. I mean, he was her only coach. So. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I got invited to go over his house a while back, and he was to to interview both of them and he was in the backyard and he had this basically a kind of olympic training run set up in the backyard and he was not only working her out but he was working out other you know members as well too yeah and it was like i said different we're used to randall cunningham the quarterback you know randall cunningham the punter randall cunningham the the nfl superstar and he's been all in for years now with the track and field situation and to see him, you know, with the stopwatch and, and, you know, working on these guys and, and not just high jumpers, but sprinters and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, again, it's a, it's a credit to him and the family. And then goes and runs his church and then he goes to his music studios right, and stuff. So right, 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 right. kind of an eclectic guy. Yeah. Great guy too. <laughs> I love Randall Cunningham. All right. So yes, we'll be, uh, I'll be skipping over to the arena here uh, right after this hour. And we'll be bringing you all that stuff today. Uh, Frank will be back here. And so we'll be, uh, you know, communicating there and uh, bringing you all the ambience from the Michelob Ultra Arena. Can you either walk or run over there? Yeah, it's good. Somehow I just got a vision in my head of you skipping and it wasn't pretty. I'm not going to be skipped. I'm just, I'll be quick. I'll be very quick. Okay. Uh, basketball. Team USA gets the victory yesterday against Woo-hoo! Argentina, 108 to 80. But uh, before people get all excited, Team USA 1 and 2 right now. 
Argentina, we're used to Argentina being pretty good, right? They're 0-3. They got blasted by Nigeria. Uh Uh-huh. After Nigeria beat the United States, they they were on a roll, and they said, hey. (laughs) Yeah. And then they lost to Australia, too. But that that was a close game. It was an overtime game. And then they came into the game yesterday. So Argentina 0-3, USA 1-2. You're kind of shaking your head here thinking, like, okay, if this was a flashback to maybe the last Olympiad or, you know, a couple before, it's like, these guys would be one and two, you would think, right? Because Argentina was always very, very good. Yeah, you would think it was the bizarro world, and they, yeah. they have the standings upside down. That's, right. that's not the way it should be. Right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so USA, uh, they, they get the victory, and you kind of figured, okay, they're going to, to turn it up a little bit, and they did. And now Greg Popovich, and we gave his comment yesterday when he says, he goes, well, you know, we're getting better. And then yesterday was pretty much the same. goes, yep, yeah, we're getting better every day. <laughs> it was you know, pretty good performance today. It was good. Once these darn championships get over, we'll get a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this will continue. The women will have uh, a few exhibition games uh, coming up this week uh, as well, too. And then off to Tokyo. So, all right. NBA Finals game number four tonight. The Phoenix Suns lead two games to one over the Milwaukee Bucks. Do you like this thing has been drawn out? I mean, we had this momentum where we had, what, game one on Friday. Back in Phoenix, you know, or no, take that back, right? We, when did we have game one? I'm thinking back. We had two games. We had what? The Wednesday-Friday situation? It was something like that. Or Thursday, whatever it was. Uh, that right? was a long time ago. It, it was a long There's time ago. a lot right? of stuff going well, on. Well, here's man. my point. Game three was Sunday, right? Game three in Milwaukee was Sunday. We were fearing the deer and seeing the deer district and 25,000 fans outside, 18,000 packed inside. And then now we've got to wait till Wednesday when there's no travel, and I understand what the NBA was doing here. They had the Major League Baseball All-Star game, so they wanted to let that stand on its own. I'm not sure that I even believe in that. If you got your product, you know, you got your product. Those are separate audiences. Okay, and and again, I was thinking that last night myself because I agree with you. I think that's why they did it. Did they do it to let it stand on their own? I don't think they did it out of fear of it. Do you? Because, I mean, are are you going to watch... It's television. The, the baseball exhibition or it's, a game that actually means something. It's television. It's all corporate sponsors. So Fox has those guys, a lot of the same sponsors, locked up. So they want the showcase there. And you would have to actually play the same time. I mean, you're playing a game in Milwaukee, so it's going to be probably at, at 6 o'clock, like tonight's game. You know, 5 or 6 o'clock. Major League Baseball All-Star Game starts at 5. So we've seen this, that this is your day. We'll go the next day. But, yeah, so you had game one on July the 6th. You had game two on, what, July the 8th. So then Sunday, whatever date that was, we we had a little travel going. And then now we had to wait basically three days with no travel between games three and four. And I know the NBA is thinking, hey, you know, this has kind of created more hype, more hype. But for some people, when you're used to, just like the NHL, you're used to playing every other day, kind of throws you off a little bit. No, I agree with you. And I got it, too. You know, when the NHL, when it got down to the nitty-gritty, you had an NHL game, then an NBA game, then an NHL game, then an NBA game. I kind of like that. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not crazy about it. I mean, it is what it is. As far as stepping aside for the Major League Baseball All-Star game, I get it from a sponsor standpoint. But it's not like I thought the All-Star game was... Must watch TV. Oh, and I no, had to watch no. every pitch and everything yeah. else out there. So I agree. But you know, it'll, it'll be nice to have him back tonight, and then we'll see. You know, is it going to be a best of three, or is uh, you know, will Phoenix take uh, what looks like it could be a commanding three-one lead if they win the game? So 
you know, it, it's nice to see him back on the court. But but it it would have made more sense to me if the day that they gave an extra day off would have been a day when they were going from Milwaukee to Phoenix or Phoenix to Milwaukee, not when both games were in Milwaukee. Right, right. No, I understand. And it's even going to get more quirky. So you got the game tonight, and then they're going to travel back to Phoenix for a game five on Saturday. Okay, that'll be Saturday. So two more days off again. Right. Thursday, Friday off. Yeah, so... But it gets it gets worse. So then game six, you're gonna come back to Milwaukee? Tuesday. <laughs> They're really spreading this thing out. Are they that void for, for television? Is that like the only thing? I mean, we do have Major League Baseball going on every night. I understand Euro twenty twenty is over, but man, it, it, does it really need to be that spread out? Remember, these guys. These finals are usually done by the 1st of July. Okay? That's when they're usually done at the latest. And now they're stretching this thing out. What's going to be the date if we go to seven games here? It'll be the 22nd, July 22nd. So we've already had this elongated season coming off of the season last year in Florida in the bubble. And it went late, 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 and you had no offseason. That's why we had heard all the NBA guys complain about this, why several of them say, oh, I don't want to participate in the Olympics because I had no time off. Like LeBron. Right, exactly. Even though he got eliminated early, first round. So it, it, it's crazy how this thing just continues to just get deeper and deeper and deeper, and I don't think there's really any reason for that. But, yeah, so when it's all said and done, the first game was July the 6th. The seventh game, if it goes seven, would be July the 22nd. That's a, that's a 17-day span if you count the actual days like that. 17 days to get seven games in? I don't know about that. Well, one thing we better not hear is, boy, the team looks tired out there. Right. That's not happening. Because they're getting extra rest. Yeah. And that's another thing. Can, can, speaking of tired and injuries and that sort of thing, l- let me go here because I really am tired of people saying, what Giannis is doing is amazing. He had, you know, 41, 42 points in those back-to-back games. It's so awesome. I can't believe that he is having this phenomenal series because he's injured. Let me tell you something. And I think the big seven-footer will tell you, B.J. Armstrong, Tracy Murray, all of our team here, part of the show, former NBA players and superstars will tell you, he's not injured. If he's putting up 41, 42 points in back-to-back games, and like the seven-footer said uh, last week, that's, 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 that sounds like a glorified knee sprain to me. Hyperextended knee. You talk to any NBA guy, they're saying, that injury's nothing. But there are people in the media that are thinking like, this is phenomenal. How could he be doing this on one leg? That guy is not going to get that torque, that leaping ability. He's not going to be playing 40-plus minutes and getting 40 points, 13 rebounds on a bad knee. He is not injured. So stop the injured talk. So you're saying it's not Willis Reed out there in a Bucks uniform? <laughs> no, that's, that's not Willis Reed. Going against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, and, and I agree with you, too. And, and there's a, and, Or Lou Alcindor, yeah. I should say. Is, is he a little bit banged up or sore? Probably. Does he need a little bit of extra medical care or wrapping it up before a game? Uh, there's a good chance. Stretching. It's, That's it's what he's doing. He's doing NBA, a great job of stretching. Yeah. It's the NBA Finals. He's the key to your team. If he's not in the lineup, you have no chance to win. They've been here before where they've had the chance to win. They haven't gotten it done. 
He better be out there. He better be playing unless he really is injured. There's a difference between pain and injury. He's suffering some pain. Like you said, we all suffer pain all the time. Every guy right now in the NBA who's playing the finals, no one is at 100%. Everybody's probably between 80 and 90%, okay, because of the wear and tear and everything of that nature. Again, do you hear Giannis complaining about it? You don't see Giannis limping up and down the floor. You don't see it. He is fine. And he had a nasty-looking injury. Okay, but again, he is a Greek freak for, uh, for a reason. Okay, that, that injury looked bad, but it wasn't that bad. And he has done everything proper, like you said, medical and that sort of thing. But, you know, how do you cure that is your stretching and what you're doing with your icing and your heat and all that stuff and really stretching. He's done a great job of that. And you talk to any NBA guy, they will tell you that. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, a fracture. It's not like you're playing with a broken kneecap or even a broken hand or a broken finger. It's not Alec Martinez. Broken. It's not Alec Martinez playing with a broken foot no. in the Stanley Cup playoffs. No, no. What Kucherov play with? Your boy Kuch. He had a rib, he, I think. And a, he had a rib. rib. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he had a broken rib. Yeah. So, broken rib. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't that. This is that. Uh, for Giannis getting above the rim and doing what he's doing, he's not injured at all. I'd probably well, if say if he is injured. I hate to see him when he's not injured. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, he's he, he's soaring around like one of Santa's reindeers. Forget about the deer district out yeah, there. Yeah. It just cracks me up. And, again, I just I, I really don't like to, to, to pick on you know, you know media people or, or like I like to say, our well, media brethren. Well, a lot brethren. of them like to they, – they, they, they try to dramatize everything yes. so much and make, make everything the, the greatest story in the history of sports. You know, they're, they're trying to make it like – Jordan playing with, the, like I said, the Willis Reed thing, or Jordan playing when he's got the 104 degree fever, or this, that, or that. I mean, mean the like, bad pizza in Utah? <laughs> well, again, maybe that was overblown as well. So right, there's, right. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that. But oh, every sick, time yeah. you turn around, I mean, Chris Paul early in the playoffs, oh, can, can he even go? Is he going to be out there? What a pounding he's taking. You know, I mean, it's like everybody's always just completely just. And my thing on that is, if, and I've heard people on shows that have, say, NBA players, current or former, with them, and they'll make that statement. The NBA guys will say, wait, 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 listen. Okay, I played the game. I could tell you. I just wish that people would defer to those guys. Like what I'm doing and what we do here. It's like you defer to those guys and say, okay, we hear about this injury. How serious is that injury? And then once the guys tell you, the NBA players say, it's not that serious of an injury, then... We see media people that feel like they need to explain themselves and say, well, but, no, the guy just told you. The guy who's played in the league for They're all these years. They're trying to downplay it over there. Yeah. They're ruining the narrative of my story. It's true. This is the greatest comeback in the history. This guy, he should be on the bench. He should be in the hospital. It's amazing he's even on the court. How did he get out of bed this morning? It's just, it's, it's just funny. It's just like, okay, just... Just admit it. You don't have experience with that. Defer to someone who does have the experience and take what they say as gospel. And then don't try to retract from it afterwards. Just, again, it's just, and I've been hearing a lot of that the last few days. So, again, just, it's a lot of the national shows and people are doing that. And you're hearing these NBA guys just like the three that we talked to. He's fine. So it all circled back to Randall Cunningham again. There it is. Taking it as the gospel. The gospel. I love it. All right, we come back. Chris Bazio is going to join us, and we talk Major League Baseball. We'll talk about last night's All-Star game. More importantly, first half, second half, 
We're ready to roll baseball in the second season. All right, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. See, Martin, you'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. Major League Baseball, second half of the season. We're ready for this, all right? We're past it now. We're past the All-Star game, the shenanigans, the fiasco, the charades, whatever you want to call it. Home Run Derby Monday night, the game last night. Don't forget your favorite, the celebrity softball game. Oh, no. That was yesterday. That was the terrible Tuesday take. <laughs> well, that was the Home Run Derby Day. Yeah. Oh, please. I wonder if our next guest ever played in uh, the celebrity softball challenge or, or some of these things. I don't know. We'll, we're definitely going to find out. Here he is, the pitcher, ladies and gentlemen. And, yes, the proprietor of a World Series ring with the Cubs in 2016 as a pitching coach. The one, the only, Chris Bosio. More importantly, the Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer. That, that goes to the top of your resume, my friend. What's going on? Yes. How you doing, buddy? Good. How's everything? Good, man. What's happening with you? So tell me, uh, how much of the All-Star game did you watch, and uh, what were you, what was your thoughts? You know, I uh, glued in the beginning. I wanted to see the Otani show, um, just like, you know, with, with the Home Run Derby. And then, you know, I, I, I touched – touch back and forth throughout the game, but I wasn't glued. I, I kind of lost interest there towards the end, but, um, you know, entertaining to say the least. I mean, they, they really blew it up and, uh, I, I thought they did it right. And, and at some point the players really got to take over. So let me ask you in years past, did you find yourself more glued to the TV than this year? no, because of everything that's gone on in the last year or two. Okay. There's a lot of interest because of the, I, I think also because of the storylines with some of our players. I mean, you know, the bless, the, usually the best players really stand out when the light's shining. And, and Guerrero, I mean, this kid's unbelievable. He really is. And he stepped up and, you know, in a big spot, especially for a young man to do that. I mean, that was huge with all the other big stars out there. Here he is continuing to do what he did in the first half. All right. All right. Uh, Otani pitched. He led off. We haven't seen anything like that before. He uh, pitched one inning. Um, he had two at-bats, no hits, didn't hit the ball out of the infield. So I know there was a lot of hype with that. And, you know, coming off the home run derby where that was a little bit disappointing too, especially the way he started. And we were wondering, Boz, if this guy was going to be tired, you know, from all of those swings, 100-plus swings or whatever it was, in the uh, home run derby on Monday night, and it didn't look like it had an effect on him. But just you know, kind of, kind of speak to that when you you know go through all of that and and what it's like for a player the, the next day, especially to be the poster boy, so to speak, and to you know to do something that no one's really done probably since Babe Ruth. I mean, you're starting a game as a pitcher, you're leading off, and you're you're doing this dual role, and every everyone's eyes are on you. Well. You know, let me let me break down the schedule a little bit more for you. I'm sure he probably on the day of the home run derby. I, I, I mean, I'm, I might be wrong, but normally these guys are getting up at nine o'clock. Some of them have morning workouts. Probably get to the park at noon to get loose, stretching, working with trainers, and the batting practice. And then all of a sudden, what's required of him 
for the on the field batting practice. So, I mean, a lot of these guys are there at 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and they're there for 10 hours, literally three consecutive days. There is no break for them. And the home run derby, he's, he's never seen anything like that. And I, you know, I tell you what, eighth of an inch, he, eighth of an inch, he probably hits one in, in, the, in the third deck, but he didn't. You know, he's facing some pretty good guys, too. And, uh, I mean, he put a couple of good swings on and hit the ball hard. But he had to have been gassed, yeah. and he said he was. And it was interesting, too, because when he was on the mound there, and we mentioned all the swings he took and how a lot of people wanted to see him swing the bat, uh, he was also throwing the ball. I remember at least one pitch where he reached 100 miles an hour. So it seems like he was pumped up on the mound as well. But do you think that will have an effect at all for the second half of the season for him, competing in the in all the festivities and the home run derby and everything else? Or do you think he's young enough in that that he can just kind of tone it back and just go back to business as usual when they start back up again? You know, it's it's going to be interesting because I've seen it, I've seen it go go both ways, and that's why some of our players didn't want to attend the home run derby. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, in the in the year that he lost to Bryce Harper, I thought he had won it, and he he admitted. I mean, it took a lot out of him because he had never done anything like that. Schwarber's big and strong, and I'm not saying that you know Schwarber, you know, is like on that level of Otani, but. I tell you what, he was pretty close in the first half for what he'd accomplished. But it, I, I've seen it just absolutely wear guys down, and it's going to be huge for the California Angels, the Anaheim Angels, to move forward and how they manage him. I, you know, look for, I, I would say probably, you know, some starts maybe six or seven days in between. But then the, the other side of it, the Angels are right there. How can you back off on the pedal when you know you're going to be getting, you know, healthy again and getting Upton back and Trout back? And one more thing on Otani, TC, the thing that I really liked, you know, Denver's hard to spin the ball. And I'll tell you what, he threw some sliders, uh, tweener cutters, sliders around 83, 84. They had a lot of depth. That was impressive for a guy that can hit 100 but still be able to back off a little bit shorten the stride a little bit and really get that depth. I mean, this that, that was fun to watch. Well, the good thing, we didn't see uh, anybody get patted down like they were at TSA uh, at the airport or whatever <laughs> last night, right? I mean, the, the, and what about the balls, Boz? Because we heard some people say, hey, maybe these balls are going to be a little bit different. They're not going to be the dehumidifier or, or that sort of thing. You, you think we were having a little different baseballs last night compared to what we saw, like, say, last Saturday and Sunday? I don't know, TC. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I know there's some balls flying out of there Monday night. I mean, you know, when it came to home run derby time. Well, we know that we're different colored than the ones in the home run derby. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, crazy. Boz, let me ask you this. Um, you know, Aaron Boone called uh, Kevin Cash over the weekend and said after Garrett Cole pitched that, that game against the Astros where he went, like, what, 127 pitches and had, threw a phenomenal game. And he said, hey, you know, I'm asking you, you know, you know, not to not to throw our guy Cole because you know we 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 need him here, you know, next week as well too, and we know that's kind of a common thing that happens when when Major League Baseball pitchers get to an All Star game and they know that more than likely they they might not you know pitch because they pitched either Saturday or Sunday leading into the game, but I thought it was interesting last night that. 
The complete opposite of that, we saw Chris Bassett for the A's who pitched seven innings on Sunday, and he went out there and pitched. And I loved his comment. It was like, you know, yeah, they, you know, my manager really didn't want me to, you know, to, to pitch or whatever. He goes, but I want to pitch because I never know when I'm going to get this opportunity to be an all-star again. And I know Garrett Cole could be a little bit of a you know, one-off because, you know, he's been there before and probably be there numerous times. But give me your thought on that. As a pitcher yourself, as a pitching coach, and dealing with managers and that sort of thing, um, talk a little bit about that. In 17, when, you know, we were the all-star staff, you know, you're required to have conversations with every manager, pitching coach, you know, when you get their guys. And these conversations are real. And, you know, we got in the spot because we had, we had rode Wade Davis really hard in the first half. And, you know, we're trying to get back there with, you know, pretty much a different bullpen. And the spot came up for Wade Davis where we had already gotten him up. And all of a sudden we tie the game up. And we're like, man, we're, we're really running out of pitching because, you know, Joe Madden was moving guys all around and we got caught. And he goes, we're going to have to pitch Wade. And I go, we already got him up. And I called down there and, you know, I told Lester Strode, I said, hey, man, you know, we, we got to get Wade in there. And, and Wade goes, I already got up. You guys told me, and I was like, Joe, he, he really doesn't want to get in there. And Wade went in there and ended up giving up a home run to Robinson Cano. And I felt horrible. But sometimes those things do happen and weird stuff happens. But backing out of an all-star game, I mean, I, I probably would have done the same thing that young man did, uh, not ever knowing. I, I mean, I had three chances to get to all-star games, and it was tough being on a Brewer club with Robin Yount and Paul Mulder. You know, these, these, these guys were going every year. And back then, the lonely old brewers, I mean, you remember TC. Yeah, yeah. We, we, weren't get, we weren't getting a lot of headlines back then, and be able to get two guys on there was awesome. Yeah, you're lucky. You're thinking, okay, we're going to get one guy because everybody gets one. And But, oh, I got these two Hall of Famers. Yeah, it's not going to be anybody beyond that. Yeah, but it was, uh, you know, it was an interesting comment. I can see where Booney's, you know, going to call and protect his guy. You know, I mean, there, it, it is Garrett Cole. He was there, but I, I think it was great that Bassett got in the game and and he was willing to go out there. He's young, and when you're when you're that young, you feel like you can throw every day, all day. So, and he did well. You know, he did a nice job. So, kudos to him. All right, Chris Bazio joins us, the former pitcher and of course pitching coach as well, talking a little baseball here second half let's go back to the first half real quick and look at your former team the Cubs man they had an 11 game losing streak we have heard the rumors about Chris Bryant and you know he was mic'd up last night and he's you know trying to say all the right things and everything talk a little bit about the Cubs man and what the heck is going on and what are we going to see in the second half from these guys I tell you what they injury bug crushed them at the same time, at the tail end of their injuries, right when it looked like everybody was going to start coming back, the bullpen just, they couldn't get anybody out. And it just, it just snowballed. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you know, it's six, it's seven, it's eight. It, it, you know, it was unbelievable. And they, they were losing games every possible way that you could. And, um, 
now they got a decision to make. You know, are they going to go for that, you know, that wild card spot? And everybody seems to believe now all of a sudden they're sellers. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if that team can, can reel off, you know, six or seven in a row, but they can win 10 out of 12. I just don't know if the teams that lead in the division is going to do that now because of some of the moves that they've made. And I got to believe Milwaukee is probably going to be looking to add somebody in the back end of that bullpen to get even better. When it comes to a team at this time of the year and they have to make the decision of being a buyer or a seller or if they're standing pat or whatever, and the Cubs have kind of intimated that they are looking to maybe be sellers in that how do you find that right mix of it's like, well, we're sellers, but what pieces are really available? You don't want to completely give up the whole future and have to do a whole rebuild, but there are a lot of players on that club that, uh, you know, they have free agency coming up. They could help other teams. Maybe they have some good prospects down in the minors. I mean, that seems like an interesting mix to figure out. Even if you're sellers, you don't want to be oversellers. You know, that's a good point. They've, they've had some guys you know, step up in that first half that are totally unexpected. They've got a guy that they signed to, you know, a contract in Jock Peterson, who's got a World Series ring, who's a left-handed bat that everybody's probably going to be asking about because he's been there and seems to be able to hit a fastball, which most of the first division clubs are going to feature at the top of the rotation. You know, is it? Is it Chris Bryant? Is it Javi Baez? Is it Rizzo? You know, is it their bullpen guys? Chafin is having an unbelievable year from the left side. I mean, if, if I'm a San Francisco Giant, Los Angeles Dodger, uh, heck, can you imagine him in the, in the, the pen of the Brewers? Right. You know, these guys, these guys have five or six guys that they can do multiple different things with. And, you know, not still not that be that far away because I, I imagine they're probably going to try to get some, some major league players ready or near ready, or you're going to have to just give me a, a six-star prospect. And I, I don't know if they're going to get that. Speaking I don't of- know if they get that because they got all these free agent guys. I mean, there's five of the six guys we talked about are free agents. Speaking of the Brewers, boss, I know you spent some time back there the last couple of weeks. This team is playing great, you know, leading this NL Central. Uh, what do you think about you, your old Brewers here? I tell you, the, they they have the town buzzing right now. You know, obviously with the Bucks, you know, the Packer fans are the Packer fans. They're never going to go away. It doesn't matter. They're always going to pack that stadium, and and um, you know they're. They're riding high right now. I mean, Adamas is playing out of his mind. That looks like the move, not only of this year, but the last couple years. I mean, this was a, you're talking about an unbelievable move, giving up two pretty good arms. And to get a a starting shortstop in return and then have the return stat-wise of what he's doing, he's totally changed that lineup. And, you know, he made an interesting comment that he's seeing the ball better than he's ever seen it. He goes, he didn't really realize, you know, how dark the trop was until, you know, he got into, you know, American Family Field with the Brewers and, and how well he can see the ball. And not only just there, but like in the National League, some of these parks, 
He's like, the lighting is, is much better than like in Boston and New York and down in Tampa. So some interesting comments by a, a new brewer that's quickly becoming a fan favorite. Yeah, it's it's not right what you said. American Family Field or whatever. I mean, I can't get used to that. Come on, man. Mil- I, Miller Park? Dude, I, I, you talking about Miller Park? Was, the darkness so of Miller to, Park? I, I can relate to that. I, I, I was trying to remember the name. I think I <laughs> get some. Where's the drum when you need him? Come on. That's Nubchuck falling asleep again. I don't know. Was yeah, that drum out. worthy, though? That's all right. Was that even no, drum? No, that it wasn't. wasn't. No, it wasn't. That was terrible. No, was, Maybe the zonk I, I was or begging. something. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I, re- I remember the name. That should be a zonk. That's true. Oh, that's pathetic. Well, plus you can't American ex- Family Field. And plus, you can't blame it for falling asleep because you said it was dark in the park. So that's true. You know, it's very oh dark. Oh yeah. just want to take a nap. Okay, boss. What's going on in the NL West? I mean, you, where you're residing now, those low, lowly Diamondbacks are thirty-two and a half games out right now, and you're looking up at the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres. I let's should we just cut off all the wild card stuff right now? Three teams are going from that division. Man, alive! I tell you, talk about selling the farm. You know their their phones are so busy here in the valley. I mean, they they're trying to hire more operators. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, sleep still. It's still sleep. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Man. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, yep. yeah. He's asleep. Well, you, I got you, it. You got you got nothing today. You know, I got nothing. I know. You probably feel it's like it's you're back. You feel like you're back at your old Appleton station. That's because he's drinking. <laughs> He's drinking water today instead of his Monster Energy, so he's not he's not awake. Yeah, I, I actually turned the the score back on there, and I Did I listened you? real quick. I I smiled and I kept driving. Oh, I turned it again. Yeah, yeah. You, you have, you'd have to turn it again. Exactly. <laughs> it hilarious. was it was real quick. <laughs> We're uh, this little inside joke here with the radio station that Boz used to work with uh, outside of Green Bay. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's what we're talking about there. That then that sound you just heard that was usually happen before and after boss get would get off the air. It was a friend of mine that I worked with. <laughs> he had an amazing influence. This is like actually watching the pitch. Oh, stop, man. I no, I was a I was a workhorse, baby. Yeah, I'd, I'd go, go fast. That would get going. Don't you dare it's go. It's not there. how you start, it's how you finish, baby. Oh, that's it. I'm a, I'm a complete game. I'm a CG guy, complete game guy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. All right, man. Yeah. Completely completely gullible. (laughs) It's good to be a workhorse as long as you're not the wrong end of the horse. This is good. (laughs) That's it. Okay, boss. Astros. Let's give Dusty some credit, man. And how about uh, kudos to the Astros, uh, Altuve and those guys say, nah, we don't want to get booed. We're not going to go to the All-Star game. But, uh, hey, they're 19 over 500 right now. They're playing great. They really are. I couldn't happen to a better dude, man. I'm, I'm really going to be watching us close and wishing the best. You know that, and I know you do too. You got it, man. All right. Hey, real quick, got to throw this in because we were talking about it in the break before we got you on here. Numchuck behind the board likes the All-Star Game uniforms. Oh, TC and I were explaining to him why they are garbage. Explaining? Your thoughts. Was that the right word, Explaining? Well, you, you, you were rather adamant about it, jumping <laughs> up and down, breaking glass and stuff. But All right, uh, this is all you need to picture, guys. That was the home and road uniforms for Folsom High School where TC pitched. <laughs> you know what? You're, probably, you're pretty close to that. <laughs> I know. You are. I know, dude. I know. I know. As pathetic as it is. I never so thought true. that. It really was. It was just like that. I thought that. about it. 
I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I was kind. Of, I didn't even know that TC's uniforms were like that, but I was thinking they looked like they could be home and road for Folsom Prison or something. Hey, but boys, you got to remember, Ooh. one year, a couple years, we had pinstripes, and our pinstripes were pretty cool. Those blue pinstripes were pretty cool. Yeah, with that that a big F. There you go. But yeah, you're right though. The color combo exactly. We did have. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember like, being anything about Folsom being cool. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Be good, man, and uh, let's let's talk with you next week here. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Maybe, maybe the winners were a little on the cool side. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Bazio, the former pitching coach of the Cubs and a great pitcher, author of a no-hitter back in the day as well. Uh, great stuff as always. All right, ballpark. Uh, I'm uh, I'm scooting down the street real quick and uh, got to get over to the Michelob Ultra Arena. We're gonna have some fantastic interviews with an All Star Game preview for you. WNBA All Star Game. Chelsea Gray, Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Sue Bird, the legend, uh, Mark Davis, also uh, joining me. So we'll have some fun with that. So. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, you'll be back in here tomorrow, and we'll uh, recap uh, what you're seeing tonight over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Game four of the NBA, more baseball as that gets ready to start Mm -hmm. rolling again. So a lot of things going on in the dead time of sports. Yeah, yeah, that just cracks me (laughs) up, too. Plus, we have a little thing called the Olympics right around the corner. Exactly. It's a great time. All right. You going to get some Dorito earrings for your daughter? Yeah, I think I'll pass on that. All right. Well, you know, the one sprinter for Team USA that wore the Dorito earrings. That's true. She got a nice endorsement from Doritos out of it now. That's true. Getting paid. That's true. Be proactive. (laughs) All right. uh, Passing the baton over to Ballpark. Frank, don't you dare go anywhere. Got a great hour lined up for you right here. TC Martin Show on a Wednesday. Pass the plug. Here come the aces on the run. De Energizer. Look for Ty Young. Sprint to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the TC Martin Show. Show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance of three. Chance of three. Martin. There was six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in. in, in, in. Welcome back. Hour number two, T.C. Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. Go to the website, check out all the interviews, stories, photos, all sorts of cool stuff. And T.C. Martin is in. The doctor is in the car right now on his way over to the Michelob Ultra Arena for the WNBA All-Star Game. Several contestants from the Aces, along with all the star players from around the league. Should be a lot of fun over there. Should be a fun hour as well if you are a WNBA fan or a fan of the Aces. And hey, who isn't these days as the Aces are trying to become that first team from Las Vegas to capture a major league championship Will this be the year? We will find out. And, of course, TC's on the mic for all the games. Going to be a fun hour this hour as we'll uh, hear from Aces players Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Liz Campage, new owner of the Las Vegas Aces, Mark Davis, who, of course, also owns the Las Vegas Raiders, and the legendary Sue Bird, who plays for Seattle, 
Oldest player in the league at 40 years of age, but Sue Bird, uh, definitely one of those WNBA Hall of Famers. Uh, even though she's not officially in there yet because she's still playing, she will definitely be in there. So should be a lot of fun hearing from all of those people. Of course, remember, tomorrow when we're on again from 2 to 4, we'll be talking about the NBA Game 4. What's going to happen tonight? Will uh, it be Fear the Deer once again as they try to make a 2-2 uh, two to two and a best-of-three series for the final three games of the NBA playoffs, or will the Suns melt the cheese and take that 3-1 to one lead against Milwaukee? Uh, I would imagine that the Suns are feeling fairly confident right now. They can't play too much worse than they did the last game. Booker didn't play well. Uh, Giannis, of course, went off and had an incredible game, so this is the game that I would think that Phoenix is going to be pointing to to try to take that commanding lead. But if Milwaukee does what they did in the last game and they win once again tonight, a best-of-three series all of a sudden becomes a lot more interesting. Also, thanks to Chris Basio in that first hour. If you missed Chris Basio on the show, check out T.C. Martin Show. I'm sure that we'll be uh, possibly throwing that up there for you so you can hear that. Basio always uh, a lot of fun things to say about what's going on, what are the Cubs going to do, and what he thought about those uniforms that Numchuk was such a big fan of last night in the All-Star game. T.C. and myself, eh, not exactly on the same page with that, but a lot to get to this hour. And once again, for all the interviews, for all the shows and everything else, tcmartinshow.com and T.C. on his way down to Mandalay Bay right now, the Michelob Ultra Arena for the WNBA All-Star Game. Let's get to some of those interviews right now because TC has had a lot of the Aces players on. Like I say, we'll also hear from Mark Davis, but one of the players that's really come to the forefront this season for the Las Vegas Aces, when it comes crunch time in a game, everybody knows that Asia Wilson's going to be getting the ball, but... The one who gets it right out of bounds often is Chelsea Gray. Chelsea Gray has uh, hit some big shots this year, knows how to distribute. She's crunch time. She's got the ice water in her veins. And here was TC recently with Chelsea Gray on the TC Martin Show. Welcome back to the Michelob Ultra Arena. And joining me now is the Las Vegas Aces guard, the three-time All-Star, former champ, and now we can say U.S. Olympian as well, Chelsea Gray. Chelsea, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. First of all, congratulations on being named to the women's U.S. Olympic team. Talk a little bit about the feeling that you got when you initially got the word, and and how did this hit you? It hit quite hard, a very emotional day slash experience. Um, When I got the call, basically I heard congratulations, you are, and then everything else is kind of a blur. (laughs) Because right then and there, it was just a bunch of emotion, a bunch of excitement just hitting me all at once. And like all this dedication and hard work was was coming to a head. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be competing for a gold medal. So you have been through training camps. You played some exhibition games with this team. How confident were you that you would make the team? Um, I know the type of player I am. I know my skill set, my leadership role. And so I was confident that I deserved a spot on the USA basketball roster. Um, but it wasn't in my hands. So <laughs> it wasn't my hands to select the team. So I was, I was nervous a little bit, uh, but I know I had put the work in to, to, you know, be called upon to be part of this Olympic team. You mentioned when you got the call, it sounds like one of these type of moments where you always kind of remember when you look back, Hey, what you were doing when a certain time happens, what actually were you doing when you got the call? 
I actually missed the first initial call because I was in another meeting. And so I had to call back, but uh, Carol did not answer. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I missed the call. This is the yes or the no call. <laughs> so when I finally got the call back, I was pacing inside my bedroom. And that's when, you know, after the congratulations kind of went to a blur. Chelsea Gray joins us talking about her being named to the U.S. Olympic team, getting ready to go to Tokyo. And you played a lot internationally. What does this mean to you to be representing your country? It's an exciting experience. Um, you know, you dream about repping USA across your chest. And when this Olympic team goes over there, there's a standard um, that they play with. There's a standard and an excitement we play with on the court. And so repping that across my stress is like representing my family, representing my university. You know, I'm the first person in, in Duke women's basketball history to be on an Olympic team. So it's like representing my university, representing, you know, the people that have laid the foundation for us to go over there and compete. And so it's just another, you know, pinnacle that I, I wanted to reach another, um, another goal of mine. And so when you say you're an Olympian, it's like the top of the top standard and achievement. What's it like being around all of these great women, these superstars, and granted, you've been on some very good teams. You won a championship with the Sparks. This Aces team is is pretty loaded with talent as well. But when you're amongst, you know, the best that this country has to offer, what is that like? It's actually a pretty cool experience that now they're your teammates. You're not scouting and planning to play <laughs> against them. And so everybody is good. Everybody, you know, you're not asked to go out there and, and you know, be the top performer at all times. And so it's a it's a pretty cool experience that now instead of, you know, guarding on the pick and roll, you're actually passing the rock to Sue Bird. Um, you're actually looking down low for Brianna Stewart. Like it's 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 kind of a different feel and an appreciation to be, be able to play against um, other countries, but play with the best. And you've got Asia Wilson, your teammate here with the Las Vegas Aces. You're both going to be participating in your first uh, Olympic Games. What's that like for you and Asia to be representing the Aces? I think it's going to be exciting to be able to, you know, go to Tokyo with, you know, Aces behind us, Vegas behind us, and be able to bring in this first Olympian experience with Asia. It's a it's exciting for both of us, and uh, we're looking forward to it. All right, Chelsea Gray joins us. So the Aces, well represented in the Olympic Games, five Olympians. We have yourself. We got Asia. We've got Kelsey Plum on the three-on-three. But then you've got Liz uh, playing for Australia and Jisoo Park playing for Korea. What has the vibe been like from everyone? They all got the news about that they're going to be representing their respective countries. It's a, it's a cool experience. You know, Liz has been to the Olympics a few times, but each time she just like, you know, it goes it goes in a flash. So really embrace it and experience it. So it'll be the first time for myself, Asia, and Jisoo and Kelsey Plum. Um, so we're kind of like a kid in a candy store, like raiding and can't wait to get to Tokyo and just excited for the experience. But it's pretty cool that, you know, when afterwards we're able to come back together and, you know, talk about it, have conversations. And uh, so we're excited to go there, but also it's the comeback and get back together. What's it like playing for Don Stately, too? I mean, she's a great coach. Obviously, you knew her from her college coaching at South Carolina. I know you went to Duke. Any prior experience with Don? And what's it been like in these training camp sessions? 
you know, I love her basketball mind, her basketball IQ, uh, not only because of the experiences she's had as a coach in that USA basketball, but, you know, even more particular as a point guard, being able to think the game and know the game on a, such a, you know, great level. I'm, I'm lucky to be able to learn from that. Um, she challenges me to be better just in these little moments that we've had with USA basketball. So I'm excited to get even more of that when we meet up for the Olympics. So how's it been for you transitioning into living in Las Vegas, playing with the aces. And again, when you look at this team, you've got a pretty stacked roster. How's it been for you being here in Las Vegas? It's been great. Um, the transition has been wonderful. The city, I feel like the fans have, um, welcome me with open arms. So I, I've just been excited to be here and just want to win for, not only for like us and but for the city, bringing a championship to the city will be great. Um, so it's been great top to bottom from, you know, ownership and Mark to management with uh, Dan and uh, Nikki, but also the coaching staff and uh, just enjoying being around these players. And we have fun together. You guys have been on an incredible run thus far. What do you feel are the main reasons for the success? Us getting to know each other and wanting to, you know, be the best in this league. Uh, we're chasing perfection when we play. We want to be great. We want to be um, the best out there on the floor every single time. And so when we're out there, we're trying to do things perfectly. We're trying to do defensive schemes perfectly, make the right passes, knock down shots. We're chasing perfection. And I think that's when you get into the mindset of wanting to be great all the time. You've played here before as a visitor and now this year as an Aces player. You've had a couple games back here now where, you know, the stands are back down. You've got uh, uh, fans closer to the floor. Your thoughts since the fans have returned to the Mandalay Bay? It's a different type of vibe. You know, when I when I was here as as a visitor, you know, the the arena is rocking like the fans have so much energy behind them and they want us to be successful so just bringing them down like it was a different type of energy when we had a game when they're in their regular seats and so as we get along here throughout the season and after olympic break when more and more fans are able to come to games you know i'm excited for that experience chelsea i don't know how you feel but i've been very vocal saying that you know you are the missing piece to this team, Bill Lambeer really hasn't had a point guard like yourself that can score, that can dish, but more importantly, has that leadership quality and, again, has all of that experience. And I don't know if, like I said, you realize that or you put that on your shoulders. Give me your thoughts about how you fit into this team and what your role is. I think you hit the nail on the head with the leadership role. Um, I wanted to come in here and, you know, you know, set a standard for how leadership is, is, is supposed to be. And that means leading vocally. That means leading off the court, on the court, and um, pushing people to their maximum, pushing people to be great. And that goes with passing. That goes with scoring the ball. That goes with, you know, vocally saying, like, hey, you need to be in this position. You need to score that rock. Like, different things, pushing people to, you know, reach their max. And I think that's what I've been able to do thus far. I think I'm still learning people. I'm still adjusting to the type of team that we have. I think when you talk about going into the Olympic break, I think we'll be in a pretty good shape um, about knowing each other, knowing each other's roles and what this playoff run will look like. 
What do you enjoy most about being on this team and part of this franchise? Uh, I would say off the court, they treat you like professionals. Um, they allow you to be great and they want you to succeed off the court, no matter what that looks like. And then on the court, I'm playing with great players, top to bottom from starters to bench players. You know, anybody can start or be the star on any team. I'm just excited to be able to play with them every day. All right, Chelsea Gray, we appreciate you. Welcome to Las Vegas. It's great watching you, great covering you. And I know fans love cheering you on as well, too. Glad to have you here in Las Vegas. Thank you. Happy to be here. That's T.C. Martin over there at the Michelob Ultra Arena with Chelsea Gray. Uh, T.C. going to be lining up some other guests for you this hour as well as he is at the Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay getting ready for the WNBA All-Star Game. Just to uh, let you know some of the stuff going on as we're waiting for T.C. Uh, he's uh, efforting right now Asia Wilson. We expect to have Asia up here with T.C. momentarily. On tomorrow's show, once again, there's a lot of breaking news going on right now, which we won't have time to necessarily get to today. But uh, there's an incident with Richard Sherman and some police that we will definitely touch on tomorrow. And uh, a uh, DUI situation where it seems like he crashed his car into a wall, then got into a fight with some police officers. So uh, Richard Sherman, uh, curious to see where that story goes, and we'll hit on that a little bit. And uh, more stuff on Trevor Bauer as well, as it looks like his uh, suspension right now from pitching in Major League Baseball will continue on a little bit longer. And uh, who knows if he pitches again this season, what's going to happen with that. But a very serious situation there with Trevor Bauer. And once again, the WNBA All-Star Game is today, thanks to Chelsea Gray. And if you haven't had a chance to check out a lot of Aces games, I know Asia Wilson is the one that everybody talks about in this town, and rightfully so. You know, defending MVP of the league, Asia, one of the star players, always has that smile on her face, one of the players that they're trying to market the league around. And certainly, you you know, you have... uh, uh, fire uh, fire plugs like uh, Kelsey Plum in there who's always getting things done and coming off the bench and adding that energy. Liz Cambage, one of the best players in the world. She'll be representing Australia. But Chelsea Gray's one of those players. Uh, when it comes to crunch time now, Bill Lambert will look at her and say basically, this is my play. What do you think about it? He wants to put the ball in the hands of Chelsea because Chelsea's just been uh, showing that she is a rock and can really get the job done whether she's distributing it to Asia or somebody else out there or taking that last shot herself so Chelsea Gray one of those players when it comes to crunch time and it's always nice to have that one score that you know can get the job done but even the Bulls with Michael Jordan and all those championships they won and you certainly hear Bill Cartwright on the show all the time and you hear BJ Armstrong talk about it you have to have team and you have to have role players and you have to have other players that are willing to step up Chelsea Gray is certainly becoming one of those players for the Aces so it's nice to have Liz and Kelsey and certainly Asia Wilson but Chelsea Gray is the person right now that kind of gets the ball in her hand sometimes when it's crunch time. Then she makes a decision, and more often than not this year, it has been the right decision that she's made. Let's head back now to the Michelob Ultra Arena as T.C. Martin is sitting down with the defending MVP and not only of the league, but certainly of the Aces. Here's T.C. with Asia Wilson. Welcome back to the Michelob Ultra Arena as we get ready for today's game. And joining me now is the reigning MVP. How does that sound? The reigning most valuable player of the WNBA, the one, the only Asia Wilson. Asia, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Glad to have some fun. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sunday's game, victory, a little bit of a slow start, but second half, you guys turned it up. Talk a little bit about Sunday's game. Yeah, it was definitely just a mixture of both. Like, we uh, we had to get acclimated again and things like that, but we came out with a win, and at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for, and uh, just so glad to be back at the house. All right. 28 points, 14 rebounds. Like we said, most of that came in the second half. Bill wanted to get you the ball down the block or at the high post. That seemed to work rather well. Talk a little bit about those numbers and the way everything progressed there in the second half yeah it was really one of those games when it might not look the prettiest you know you got to let the game come to you and that's kind of how I approached it and Bill allowed me to and I just knew we needed to get some buckets to really pull this lead uh, apart and that's what it's all come down to and we all got into our systems and we started rocking and rolling a little bit and that fueled us to kind of push the game through so four years now in this league you've come a long way have you even surprised yourself yeah, I definitely have. Like, I probably would, wouldn't have even seen myself as a captain or a leader of this team uh, my rookie year. So just that in itself. And then when it comes to on court, that's just training in the off season and trying to be better. So I have surprised myself definitely from taking this leadership role. So we're having some fun with it. <laughs> All right, Asia Wilson joins us to get ready for today's game. There's a lot that comes with being a team captain, yes. an MVP of the league, <laughs> and the face of the franchise. How have you dealt with all that? Um, I guess I, re- I lean on the people that really matter to me, and that's my teammates. Uh, and I want to do what's best for them. I want to be the best teammate that I can be. And they really just helped me out throughout this whole process. Uh, it's tough when you're on everything. People see you. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you have a common goal with your I don't even want to say co-workers with your teammates with people that you rock with. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and they just make it a lot of fun for me. <laughs> what has been the most challenging thing for you? Most challenging? Knowing who I am. I think sometimes I get caught up in just trying to please everybody and making sure everybody's happy that I lose sight of who I am and what I bring to this team and what I bring to the table. So that's been challenging, trying to figure out, okay, when do I take over and when do I just let the game come to me? And still trying to figure it out, but I'm slowly getting there. <laughs> like we said, so much goes on besides the game itself and focusing on your game, seeing your picture all around town and everything, <laughs> the, the media requests and, and all of that stuff. What is uh, maybe the strangest selfie request or whatever that you've had? <laughs> strangest selfie request? Um, I haven't really encountered that because I guess because COVID kind of keeps me away from a lot of different yeah. things, but I think the start of the jersey swap has definitely been something that I'm like, oh, I kind of, this is different, but I like it. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I knew once we got these jerseys, you know, you see the guys do it all the time. And I'm like, why don't we ever do it? Like, we have great athletes in our league that we would love to have their jersey game worn at that. So I kind of started off with my friends that I know they're going to do the same and not try to catch anybody off guard. But definitely my friends that are like, of course, I'll do a jersey swap with you. So it's been fun. Are they going to charge you for uh, giving away your jersey after every game? That could be an expensive proposition now. Hey, I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw your Vegas Golden Knights appearance. I know you've you've been over the, to the Fortress a, a couple different times. You're cranking the horn. You and Jackie Young. Talk a little bit about that experience. I mean, it's a dope experience. I mean, they're what they have created, their fan base and, at T-Mobile. The Fortress is just incredible. And it's one of those things where you got to be in it to enjoy it. And when you get a, get a chance to crank the siren, uh, it's especially during a playoff game. That's just an epic feeling. So the energy was great, and it's just great to see Vegas turn into a sports town. 
you know, when you are that face of the franchise and you've been here a little while now, now you see the way the business side of sports works. Right. Here in Las Vegas, you went through an ownership change. Other things are happening. The WNBA is celebrating their 25th anniversary. Have you got caught up in any of the business side over the years now? Not quite. Uh, I mean, I do have a very heavy voice in, in when it comes to just talking about things about this franchise. But between Mark, Dan, and Bill, uh, they really keep me in the loop of what's going on. And I can appreciate that. Uh, and I just try to do what's best for the franchise and, and for my teammates and everybody around us to just put on a good show. So they kind of keep it not away from me, but they do get my say in it. And I can appreciate that. All right. What are you most proud of at this point in time? What we've developed here. I think we've developed a fan base that is loyal to us. Uh, they have a lot of fun. They're showing up and showing out. And that's what I'm very proud of because we're a WNBA team. We're up and growing. We just moved from city to city. Uh, we're finally starting to build something here. So that's what I'm really proud of. All right. The reigning MVP, Asia Wilson, joins us. Asia, this is a little bit different looking team. Got some new teammates. Talk a little bit about the chemistry, how you feel it is at this point in time right now. Uh, it was tough in training camp, but I think now we're starting to develop it a lot. Maybe not as quick as Bill wants it to, but we're developing it on our own time. And it's hard because COVID, we can't really like kick it with each other like that, like we normally would. But we still find time to uh, gel and mesh, and then hopefully you can see that on court. So uh, the process hasn't been the quickest, but I'm enjoying it. Of your new teammates, who are you clicking with? Uh, oh, all of them. All of them for sure. Like I can't even pinpoint anyone. Uh, they're all something different to me. We're full of personalities, and we're just out here having fun. All right. <laughs> Good luck today. We appreciate the time. As always, you are the face of this franchise. Fans love you, and uh, you're doing a fantastic job. We just appreciate having you part of this franchise. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Asia Wilson, the reigning MVP. And there you have it, T.C. Martin over there live at the Michelob Ultra Arena speaking with reigning MVP Asia Wilson. And, of course, like he mentioned, not only the face of the Las Vegas Aces, but in reality maybe the face of the entire league. WNBA All-Star Game tonight over there at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And uh, we've heard from Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson. Got a lot of other great interviews coming up for you. Once again, TC will be uh, doing the games all season long. Remember this, they're taking a break right now for the WNBA, the All-Star break, and then the Olympic break as well. So right after this game tonight, the ladies will play a couple exhibition games then get ready to head over to Tokyo. And not only the 5-on-5 basketball, but remember, Kelsey Plum will also be representing the Aces and the United States in that 3-on-3 format of Olympic basketball as well. TC Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. Check out all the interviews. Check out everything else that's uh, going on there. You've got interviews. You've got photographs. You've got stories. You've got a lot of back-class interviews with a lot of interesting topics and guests in that. And, of course, on tomorrow's show, we'll be talking about the return of Major League Baseball, Game 4, what's going to happen tonight with the Bucks and the Suns, uh, breaking news stories with Trevor Bauer, Richard Sherman, and I'm sure there's going to be other stuff going on. And TC will recap exactly what he sees tonight over at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Certainly the ladies are hoping to have a little better time of it here in Las Vegas than the men had in their exhibition games getting ready for the Olympics is, of course, the men's basketball team for Team USA went 1-2. and two. Is that panic time? Is it because the NBA Finals are still going on and they still don't have all their pieces? Oh, well, Popovich says that they're getting better every day. We'll see what happens in Tokyo 
Well, they'll be playing in front of zero fans tonight at the Michelob Ultra Arena. I believe there's going to be about 2,000 fans there. When we come back, we're going to hear uh, TC over there at Michelob Ultra Arena again. I think right now he is lining it up. It looks like coming out of this break, we're going to hear TC with Liz Cambage. So stick around for that. Mark Davis and a whole lot more. It's the TC Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. You're listening to some bullshit on the TC Martin Show. Welcome back to the Michelob Ultra Arena, the Mandalay Bay. Joining me now is the center of the Las Vegas Aces and the uh, center of the star universe, as I like to call her, Miss Liz Cambage. What's up, Big Benz? You got you got it wrong. I'm a point guard, TC. Come on now. Don't mislabel me. Let's, let's try this again. Point guard of the Las Vegas Aces, Liz Cambage. Thank you. Thank you. How you doing, TC? I'm doing good. Coming off a road trip, you guys have had a week off. How have you spent your time? resting it's been a minute since i've been on a on a three-game road trip we played what five games in nine days across four cities and you know i went from sitting in a pandemic last year know, leaving the house to back on the road so we all were pretty tired at the end of it so we're lucky we've had this break yeah ready to get back into it and get some wins speaking of that you took a year off last year how has that helped you whether physically mentally and how have you been it's been good. It was more of a uh, mental break for me. I was still, I was still putting in work um, out with my trainer, but it, w- it was a really good break, mental and physical. I guess I really needed it. So, yeah, yeah. But I'm good. To, I'm happy to be back in it now. We know how much the Olympics means to you and your national team in Australia. The Olympic training is actually going to be here in Vegas and exhibitions as well. Mm-hmm. How happy are you about that? Yeah, it's been tough keeping that one a secret. Uh, Sandy told me about a month ago, and, you know, I've just been like, is the Olympics even happening? But I think we're locked and loaded now. Our team's been chosen. Like, teams are coming to Vegas. You know, the the Japanese government really wants it. So let's go play. Let's get it done. Talk a little bit about the differences between playing for your national team in Australia and your pro team, specifically here the Aces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is very different. You know, I'm the main the go-to with the opals you know it's really based around me but here at the aces it's it's such a team game so i get to chill a little bit here um but it's going to be go time like i'm going to be playing like 25 35 minutes a game um every other day so it's kind of nice being on a team like this where i can just chill a bit knowing that we've got i've got a lot happening in the olympics and then you know I just want to get. I just want to do the Olympics so we can focus on getting a ring here as well. But once I get to Tokyo, I'll be locked in with the team, and I'm just. I just. It's so frustrating. I've never been in the WNBA during an Olympic year with the pause in the middle, and you know it's not easy. But um, you know I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to get through it. Honestly, is one more important to you than the other? It's same, same. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think there's any other honor than uh than representing your country and i'm about to be a triple olympian which is pretty dope um and i really want i really want some more hardware um but i also want the wba hardware as well um but it's all stepping stones it's all the journey um yeah so i'm just hoping to win it all this year liz cambage joins us as we get ready for today's game you know you've been very outspoken on social issues Mm. and just in in general Mm. has that always been you 
Yeah, I, it's just interesting that it's like the thing to do um, the past couple of years, you know, and take a social stand, stand for, stand for something. But that's been me. I've been going to rallies, especially for Black Lives Matters, to, since my early 20s. I've been out in the streets rallying. So everything that went down last year was nothing new to me. Um, but yeah, I, I was raised by a very, you know, strong driven mother, very independent, who taught me to take a stand and stand up for myself and others. So that that's that's kind of what I do. And you've talked about your personal issues. I know mm-hmm. we've talked about that as well, mm-hmm. too. Commend you for taking a stand like that and being very outspoken. You know, I'm a, I'm a woman who lives her truth um, and... I'm, I'm an open book. I can, I'm not scared to talk about anything I've been through. I got no shame from the things I've been through and what I've seen. So, you know, one day my book's going to be a bestseller because I got some <laughs> stories to tell. And my journey is pretty different from everyone else, you know, that, that's, in, that's involved in professional sport. It, it's a world I fell into. I didn't grow up watching basketball. You know, last year was the first time I really sat down and watched NBA or WNBA. So I've always been a bowler. I ain't never really been a hooper. So it's, it's interesting that the pandemic really made me sit down and lock in the basketball. And, and now I'm here now just chasing it all. So, yeah, the, the pandemic really was a blessing in a way. And I know that you were outspoken about what the Connecticut coach, Kirk Miller, said and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that the first time anything like that has happened with you? I know players talk a lot mm-hmm. of trash and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, again, you were very outspoken about that as well. Yeah, I've never had a coach from the other team. Actually, I told Bill to shut the F up when I was playing with Dallas. But he, he was just, like, on about the route. Like, this is what I mean. Like, I've had banter right. with coaches before, but it's never been personal, and it's never been, like, out of nowhere. Right. So, like... I like Derek Fisher, you know, whoa, right. Bill, I've all had banner on the court. But when it's disrespectful like that, like, that don't sit well with me. And you know what? Two wrongs don't make a right. Me, me talking my, my, my way on my Instagram wasn't probably the best way to go about it. But what's done is done. We hugged it out, you know. And it, it, you, you learn from it and you move on. Let's talk a little bit about your relationship with Bill Lambier. Mm-hmm. How has that developed over the last couple of seasons? Bill is a character, um, big bad Bill. I love him to death. Um, I've never had a coach that really fights on and off the court for us like he does. Um, yeah, he's really great. He's really great. And I was saying this last night, like, it's not easy to, to coach a bunch of superstars, especially when they're women with <laughs> emotions and, and feelings, you know, and, and you know, we all want to get ours. And, you know, coaching women isn't easy. And he's been doing this for a long time, and he's won a lot as well doing it. So, you know, I got a, re- a lot of respect for that man, and I got a lot of trust with him as well. So it's, 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 it's interesting being coached by Bill, but yeah. it's such a blessing at the yeah. same time. So what about the on-the-court stuff? Mm-hmm. Knowing, you know, his NBA career and being a post player like yourself, mm-hmm. does he spend a lot of time with you one-on-one on the court? Um, he spends a lot of time sitting in the chair by the court, uh, yelling at us <laughs> what to do. But it's all like, you know, he knows his post moves. He knows what he, want, he wants us to do. And we got great assisting coaches to, uh, to, know, to, to execute what he wants us to do. But um, Bill's Bill. <laughs> Several new players on this team since you were here two years ago. Mm. Talk a little bit about this year's chemistry. You know, it's, uh, as you said, we got a lot of new players. It's, it's only, what, one, two... I'm looking at the poster of us on the side. Right. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six. Six of us, you know, from yeah. that team two years ago. Um, like, new point guard with Gray. We got a new shooter, Bay. 
Um, we just got Joyner and our new beautiful little rocky, rookie Destiny um, learning the ropes. So I think everyone sees how deadly we will be once we get to the chemistry and we, we haven't even scratched the surface. I'm like, we're playing at 40% of what we can do right now, which is crazy. Um, and so like right now, we just got to focus on, on getting these wins leading into the Olympic break get the Olympics done, and then come back and really, really lock in. So I think it's... I, if I was another team, I'd be terrified to know that like we haven't even scratched the surface yet. What about you as a player and as a person, say, from two years ago to today? Where's Liz Cambage? She's she about to turn 30. Um, <laughs> that's about it. Like AJ, I'm, nothing but a number, right? <laughs> right? Like, I'm still the same. Yeah. Uh, I still got my game. Nothing's changed. For me personally, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Well, how have you adapted to Las Vegas? Because I know when you first got here, you were a little bit concerned about yeah. the lifestyle of Las Vegas. So, yeah. how is it now for you? It's fine. The strip yeah. is just like the strip. Right. You've, I've seen it all. You spend a week yeah. in Vegas on the strip, you've seen it all. I'm used to the heat. I'd be wearing sweats every day now. So, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a local now. There you go. Mm-hmm. Love it. Moving ahead here, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to getting accomplished here? wins and coming out and putting on a show for our fans here at the house liz cambage always a pleasure (laughs) talking with you good luck today good luck rest of the season and we'll look forward to seeing a lot more of you thank you tc there it is tc martin over at the michelob ultra arena getting ready for the wnba all-star game with the center from down under She'll be representing Australia in the Olympics. And, of course, uh, the international team today as they take on Team USA over there in that game. The one thing that I would question when she said that once you've been on the Strip, you've seen everything in Vegas, I think it's once you've been downtown and you've seen all the weirdos down there. That's when you really see everything in Vegas. And uh, you might not always be something you want to bring the kids to, or maybe you do, you know. Scare them straight and say, see, if you don't go to college and uh, do your right things, You might end up uh, performing in one of the circles downtown, or maybe that's something that some people want to do. All right, uh, Ballpark Frank sitting in the studio, T.C. Martin over at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And, of course, one of the big exciting things that happened to the Aces this year, it legitimized them in some people's eyes. It helped legitimize the entire league in some people's eyes even more. Obviously, this is the 25th year of the WNBA, so they've been around for a while. But Mark Davis bought the club. So now an NFL owner is also an owner in the WNBA. And I believe TC has him ready to go right now. Let's throw it back to the Michelob Ultra Arena. Here's TC Martin with the owner of the Raiders. And, of course, also your Las Vegas Aces, Mark Davis with TC Martin, tcmartinshow.com. All right, T.C. Martin back here at courtside, and joining us now is the owner of the Las Vegas Aces. That sounds good to say. I mean, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders and now the Las Vegas Aces, Mark Davis, joins us here tonight at the house. Mark, how you doing, my man? Doing fantastic. Man, it's great to see you again here at your customary seat there in midcourt, and now join us over here for the broadcast. Yeah, it's exciting that we all got to go back to our original seats and... uh Seeing the team play up close, I think the, the crowd has been phenomenal. It's really exciting. So let's talk a little bit about how you got involved here. We know that you were here at all these games, and you have always had a love for the NBA, and your father did as well. I think it probably goes back to, to Al having a love for women's sports and women's basketball, right? Uh, there's no question about that. He was always a fan of women's basketball, and uh, as I told some of the girls as we're bringing the alumni in that my dad 
they asked me why I got involved, and I, I told them my dad probably knew where they went to high school and maybe grammar school, that he followed the women's basketball that closely, uh, loved college, loved Gino Uriyama, and what they had done there at Connecticut, and uh, just uh, was a big fan of Pat Summit at Tennessee and everything else. So. so talk about how this all unfolded, that you got the opportunity to purchase the Aces from the MGM. Well, it's part part his fault right there. I got Jim Muren is. Jim Muren right standing here. right here. Yeah. But uh, when uh, the Raiders were given the opportunity to move to Las Vegas, um, we were still staying in Oakland to play there for three more years. But uh, at that moment, at the same time, they announced that uh, MGM had purchased a WNBA team and was bringing it to Las Vegas. We're going to be called the Aces, and I immediately got season tickets. And... Uh, Eventually, my seats ended up sitting right near Jim and right next to his cohort, uh, Bill Hornbuckle. And I think every game I would tell those guys that uh, they needed to pay these girls more money. And finally, they looked at me and said, uh, you know, if you think they should be paid more money, why don't you pay them? Buy the team. (laughs) And uh, we laughed. And uh, about a week later, I got a call from uh, Bill, and he said, no, I was serious about that. And uh, the pandemic came along, but we worked through the negotiations through that period. And uh, now we're here. How long did this process actually take when you guys had these conversations and you really wanted to do this? And how much thought did you give it? I gave it a lot of thought. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was about probably a year and a half uh, is how it went. And it was actually smooth. I think, like I say, if it wasn't for the pandemic, it probably would have happened sooner. But uh, there was uncertainty of how the uh, everything was going to work at that point so we just uh, moved it back a little bit now i know that you know keith you talked about this before about uh, a lot of these teams in this league have not made money it's really not a money-making project is your goal and and you're a great advocate for this league and this team in the city as we know but is this a product you feel that can actually make money over time um i would hope so um i think these women are some of the greatest athletes in the world at what they do and i think they're uh greatly undervalued uh, on the, the financial side or the business side. I think it's really going to come come to the some type of media distribution company to understand that their value of the WNBA is a lot more than just the eyeballs, but the ancillary benefits that working with these women brings to communities and everything else is worth the uh, effort to help uh, make this league successful. All right. Mark Davis uh, joins us, the new owner of the Las Vegas Aces. You've made this a priority, too, to really get involved with the WNBA and the 25th anniversary, and you're bringing back players from the Utah Stars, the San Antonio Stars, and talking to some of these former players, they're shocked. They're surprised because they've been forgotten, and you've made it a priority to bring them back just like you've done with the Raiders alumni. Well, exactly, and it's, it's, it's actually something that brought over from the Raiders. Um, as we always say, the most valuable asset the Raiders have is its alumni, and everything we do is geared towards making sure that they're proud and, and uh, thought of. Um, it was their blood, sweat, and tears that brought the uh, Raiders to where they are today, and we have to recognize that. So there was two things I've made certain, certain that were going to be uh, part of me becoming part of the Aces was number one was to give them a home, and we are building them a uh, 50,000 square foot facility in uh, Henderson, Nevada, which will have the uh, practice courts, offices, training facilities, locker rooms, and everything to make them a world-class organization. But secondly, it was to create a uh, 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 alumni association with these girls 
to let them know that this year was the 25th anniversary of the WNBA, but it's also the 25th anniversary of this franchise's uh, uh, creation. And so we've uh, contacted uh, about 140 players and have asked them to come back at various times during the season here so that we can honor them, let our fans meet them, and they all have stories to tell. And again, it was to let them know that we recognize that this league wouldn't be here if they hadn't done what they had done 25 years ago right. and that we, we are grateful for them and that we want to represent them. And really, there's strength in numbers, and I think we're going to have a great family here at the Aces, and I'm looking forward to that. In the short time that you've owned the team, what has been one of your proudest moments, I guess, so far? What has opened your eyes a little bit? Oh, my God, there's just so many things. I, I think that I'll just I'll go to the most. Okay. The thing that surprised me the most is, is I had a lot more fun when I was watching it as a fan <laughs> than I am as an owner. But uh, listen, there's so much. There, there's so many rewarding things that have happened so far. I think meeting these uh, alumni that we've brought in, about 20 of them so far that I've gotten to meet. Uh, we go to dinner as a group together, and I get to meet them and hear their stories and let them know the vision that we have going forward and how they're a big part of it. Uh, that's the rewarding part, but again, as I've always said, the, the score at halftime, the least important thing in life is the score at halftime, right. and uh, we've got a lot of work to do, but uh, we're at a great beginning. Well, you haven't had to sweat too much. I mean, these last few games, I mean, they're, they're hey, rolling listen, along here, right? Yeah. There's nothing less important in life than the score at halftime. <laughs> this is true, right? <laughs> hey, we heard John Gruden the other day say, Kelsey Plum. He loves Kelsey Plum. And she gets 32. Exactly, right? Yeah. All right, so we're going to put you on it. Who's your favorite player? I love them all. Of course you do. That's the right answer. How about Bill Lambeer? Talk a little bit about him, because I know that was part of the factor for you to get involved, too, uh, to have a guy like him be, well, be the head coach in, the, in this franchise. Again, that's something MGM gave me. It was a great, great uh, basketball side of this organization. And uh, with Bill Lambeer, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't break it. And that's my philosophy. And uh, so basically the basketball side is all Bill, and uh, we give him whatever he needs. And uh, he's, he's running the show. Mark, I appreciate the time, uh, as always, my friend. We, I love seeing you here all the time, and uh, it'll be great talking with you more and more here. Yeah, I look forward to that. And there you have it, T.C. Martin over at the Michelob Ultra Arena with the new owner of the Las Vegas Aces. Also, of course, uh, owns a little NFL franchise in town here as well, the Raiders. And, boy, people are excited about getting ready to go over there this year to check out the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, the stadium opened up to a couple concerts there, including Garth Brooks last weekend. So a uh, lot of uh, positive things about it, people loving the venue. Eh, the parking, I think they still do a little work on that, but they got a little bit of time before the Raiders open up their season to get all that stuff taken on as well. Ballpark Frank back in the studio. T.C. Martin over at the Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay getting ready for the WNBA All-Star Game tonight. And here's T.C. with the legend of the league, T.C. Martin with Sue Bird on the T.C. Martin Show. Joining us now is one of the WNBA legends, three-time champion, 11-time All-Star. I mean, I guess I could go on and on and on. And she's, we'll be she's, here all day. We'll she's be probably going to kill me when I say an 18-year veteran, right? <laughs> yeah. But you don't look a day over 25, I'm going to say I'll take that. I'll take that. Sue Bird, the legend, as I like to call her. Sue, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what's this like uh, being here? You've been around these all-star festivities for so many years. Yeah. How does it feel being here in Vegas? Um, it feels great. You know, Vegas so far, I think... Um, you know, obviously I have been to a lot of All-Stars, and you can feel the energy. There's an excitement, you know, around, um, you know, obviously the arena and just everywhere we go um, on the Strip. So it's been fun. It's good to see the signage and just people excited. So it's cool to be here. So yeah. how are you feeling? You're walking around yeah. pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm feeling yeah. great. I'm feeling great. Again, you know, um, 
it sucks to have to miss a WNBA season, yeah. you know, and it's such a short season that one little blip can set you back for the entire thing. Uh, but with that being said, you know, I've got I've got long-term goals I have to kind of keep in mind as well. So as much as I'd love to rush back and get get you know ready for this season, you know, the goal is to play more seasons right. in the long term. And obviously, at my age, I can't you know I can't be risking things. Super, the legend, joined us here, Seattle Storm. You guys have had three battles with the Las Vegas Aces yeah, so far. Good battles, and I know it's a. Probably pained you a little bit not to be up more. Yeah, when your team goes on like four and five minute scoring droughts, it makes it really, as a point guard, it's like, oh, I wish I could help. But honestly, the Storm has been doing great this season. Really proud of yeah. of everyone on the team stepping up and kind of um, taking advantage of the right. opportunity. With right. And, uh, you know, Vegas is, I don't know what the records are, sorry, but I know they're tops. They may be number one. 13 and six, by the way. All right, all right. One of those <laughs> losses to us, just saying. No, but so. You know, it's a measuring stick when you go right. against the, the team with the best record. Right. And I think, you know, even though we went one and two, um, it was good to see that we can play with the best. Right. You're in Seattle, been there for quite some time. You were there when the Seattle Supersonics yeah. were, were there as well. And right. then the, obviously they left the NBA in 2008. How much of a void has that been for the city of Seattle? And do you feel that um, you guys have kind of filled that void? The way I view it is I think having professional teams in, in your city, in your market, is great. It's, right. it's role models. It's excitement. It's great for business. And you could go down the list. So to not have an NBA team is a bummer. I'm a basketball fan. Right. You know, I like, I like watching basketball. I loved having the Sonics there. How it all went down was obviously really tough. Yeah. And I think the city deserves an NBA team. Right. Playing in Russia for a long time, you've seen the evolution of the WNBA. What are the main differences besides the pay, obviously, we know, of playing overseas like that? compared to the WNBA? From a basketball perspective? Yeah. I mean, there's no comparing it. The WNBA is way more talented, way more competitive. Every single game is a battle. Um, overseas is actually probably more similar from, like, a competition standpoint to college for a lot of us. A lot of us, you know, in the WNBA went to big schools, right? But we right. went to the Notre Dames. We went to the Connecticut's, yeah. the South Carolinas, the Tennessees, and so on. So usually your, your schedule was you were probably going to beat a lot of teams by a lot, and then you had you know, one, two, three, four regular season games that were really important, and then right. the tournament. That's how Europe is. Right. There's a lot of games that are really bad, and then you got to get up for the big games, right. you know, the rivalry games and that kind of thing. So there's really no comparison. WNBA is by far the better basketball league. You've seen the evolution of this league. Compare to it what, what it was in 2002 when you first came in to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's survival of the fittest, you know. It's like literally evolution watching this league grow because, you know, when I came in, the league was only, I think, like five years, six years old. Um, and with each draft class, right, and there's only 12. I mean, when I came in, there's actually 16 teams, but now we are where we are, 12 teams, 12 roster spots. With each draft class, you're literally scrapping and calling just to make a team. Right. So it's survival of the fittest, which means these teams are all going to be from top to bottom, really talented, really um, much more athletic than in 2002, and can do a lot more. And, and so the product overall is just way better. All right. Super joined us. What do you think about Las Vegas as an all-star game host? Would you, I love as it. a player, would you like to see it here every year? I would. I would. I think um, there's something great about having everything in one spot the way that Mandalay Bay can do it, the way that MGM can do it. Um, there's excitement, there's performers, you know, people are going to be in Vegas just because they want to be in Vegas, right. and then they'll, you know, they'll come check us out as well, and it goes both ways, so I think it's um, a great spot. Um, I thought, you know, 
it's, it's pretty cool when you turn on the NBA All-Star team and they've got players who aren't in the game but right. still go there to, to right. kind of support and check it out. So I wanted to do that for these All-Stars. There you go. Final thing, obviously, with the U.S. women's soccer team, Megan Rapinoe, as you know, uh, very vocal about the whole equality thing and with the WNBA, the collective bargaining agreement. How vocal and supportive and passionate are you about that? I mean, absolutely. You know, the way I see it is we have to do, you know, continue to push push the conversation, push the needle um, in ways that generations before us did. You know, it, we'd be doing, you know, the people that are going to come after us a disservice if we didn't. So, you know, just got to continue, I guess, fighting the fight. You know, the way I see it is, is we're due. The WNBA is, is definitely due. Um, I think there's a moment here that we can grab and capture and, like I said, leave it. Leave it in a better place than when we got here. Great stuff. Sue Bird, we appreciate the yeah, time no as always. My pleasure. Great seeing you. Thanks, And you hopefully too. we'll see you back on the court soon. All right, cool. Thank you, guys. There it is. Sue Bird, the legend from the Seattle Storm, 18-year veteran, one of the best here in the WNBA. And, of course, there it is, T.C. Martin with Sue Bird over there at the Michelob Ultra Arena getting ready for tonight's WNBA All-Star Game. Thanks to Sue Bird for joining T.C. Thanks to all the guests today on the show, especially over there live with T.C. at the Michelob Ultra Arena. We heard from Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage. They could be going head-to-head tonight in the game. That could be interesting and fun. Also, owner of the Aces, Mark Davis joining us there as well. And in the first hour of the show, if you missed it, Chris Bazio talking about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the uniforms. What are the Cubs going to do? Are they sellers? Are they buyers? Are they standing pat? Doesn't make a difference. Join us again tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here, T.C. Martin Show. You can check out all the interviews, the articles, photographs, all at tcmartinshow.com. We'll have some uh, news on Game 4 tonight of the NBA. Game 4, the Suns and the Bucks. T.C. will recap what he sees over there tonight and baseball back in action as well. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. T.C. Martin Show. Check it out, tcmartinshow.com.